Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 86 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray that we would lead such a life of faith that it would provoke others to good works and to serving the God we serve. In Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 11, Paul said, speaking of his Jewish brothers, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentile, how much more their fullness for I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life? from the dead. In other words, the resurrection. We've got to grab hold of this, my friend, because this is a key to the Lord's returning. And it's also part of our great commission, which was given to us by Christ Jesus, that he will not turn until that we have completed it. Paul, who was half Roman and half Jewish, was speaking to the Romans as the apostle of the Gentiles. And explaining to them that Jesus had not turned his back on his kindred. God had not abandoned his nation, but rather he had turned to the Gentiles, hoping to provoke them to envy because that they would not believe in him. They could not walk in the fullness of what God had for them. So in accepting others in, it was God's desire that we might walk in the fullness of what he was offering and they see it and start to believe it and want to be part of it. Again, Paul says that the fullness has come unto the Gentiles that it might provoke the Jews unto jealousy. And then Paul explains the importance of this, recognizing that for a season they fell away so that we might be grafted in. But then once grafted in, it's our job to bring them in again, because this will be the fulfillment of God's great plan so that Jesus can return once that all the family is brought in. Now, I have to explain something to you because we tend to think of jealousy as a bad thing. And very rightly, it can be. But I think we often confuse the definitions of jealousy and envy. You see, envy is covetousness. It's wanting something that is not yours. 
But jealousy is when you have a desire for something that is yours. For example, a husband can be jealous for his wife because the wife is his. If he thinks that somebody else is grabbing hold of what rightfully belongs to him, then he can move in jealousy. However, if a man decides that he wants somebody else's wife, then he's moving in envy. So in this do we see that Paul is saying that by moving in all of the power and authority of the kingdom of heaven that is granted unto us by the blood of Jesus Christ that grafts us in to the root of David and the blessings of Abraham that the Jewish people might see the fulfillment of that and begin to become jealous for what they already have but have been neglecting and want to cherish it again you might see it like this. I may become busy and distracted and caught up in the labors of this life and begin to neglect giving my husband the attention that I should as a wife. But then all of a sudden I might see another woman beginning to admire him and he's done nothing wrong in that. I understand that I have a good husband. He is a strong, godly man, handsome, selfless, caring. He is quite a blessing. And I could see where other women would admire that. But in seeing that, it should remind me what a blessing it truly is that he is mine and go back to giving him the attention and adoration and honor that he deserves. And I use that as an example because this is what the nation of Israel is supposed to be provoked to by the church. And not just the nation of Israel and the Jews, but all unbelievers and even other Believers ought to be provoked unto good works, according to Paul, by those who move in faith. In Hebrews 10, chapter 23, we read, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You see, Paul many times warned us not to provoke others unto vainglory or unto envy or contention or unto wrath or any wicked thing. But he tells us that we should be provoking others to love and to good works. This is why Jesus said, go and let your light shine that it can be seen in the earth and that it will give glory to your father, which is in heaven. Because when men see you walking in great faith and doing those acts of love, of uncommon love, moving in forgiveness, moving in charitableness, being seen to be the hands and feet of Christ, it should provoke others to live that life also and to serve the God that you serve. It should make them want what you have. It should make them desire to be grafted into the God of Abraham. You see, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a woman who takes a lump of leaven and hides it in three measures of meal until that the leaven has spread and leavened the whole lump, the whole measure. And then it is passed out. But what many might not understand is that this is a repeat of a story that came to us from the beginning because Jesus was making a reference to Sarah and Abraham. Because you see way back when God was calling Abraham his friend, one of the things that were a determining factor in the character of this man who, who would walk and represent God to man. It says that whenever the Lord and his angels began to approach, at first Abraham thought that they were normal men and he yelled to his wife, Sarah, get the finest flour and make bread. 
three measures of it. You see, my friend, what we've got to understand is that the finest flour was hard to come by. It was the best that they had. And three measures is a lot. It's enough to make well over a dozen loaves of bread. It was far more than what was needed to feed this traveling stranger. He didn't even realize yet that it was the Lord God Almighty, but his character the loving kindness in his heart, the mercy, the compassion, the generosity, the good fruit of the father bearing through them, being willing to give all that they had to show forth the love of God, to give to a stranger and bring them into his house as his family, to treat him like his own and give him the best of what he had available and to let that character and love spread to others, to be a redeemer. That's what it means when we say that Jesus is our redeemer. The patriarch of a family in that culture was the one who would redeem, bring people into the family to feed them, to provide for them. This is what we're called to do. And this is what you should be provoking others to do, to shine forth the peaceable fruits of righteousness, the good character of our King so that it can grow and spread like the leaven in that bread. Because when God saw this, he said, this is a man after my own heart. This is what I want the nation that bears my name to be birthed from. And this is what I want it to represent in the earth. And when Jesus came to make a way that we might be grafted in to that nation and that blessing, he expects us to carry that same character and to let others see it as we live it to shine that light that it might provoke them to good works and to believe in the God of Abraham again. So Paul says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. In other words, to be like Abraham and Sarah, to be willing to give the best that we have to go above and beyond to bring others in to the family. He continues saying, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. In other words, the closer the Lord comes, the harder it's going to get. The more opposition there will be, the more the enemy will rise against us. But all the more do we have to shine the light of the Lord and provoke others to good works and to love. We've got to walk in unity with the Spirit of God, bringing others into the family at great cost and personal loss even. You know, Abraham gave up something. It cost him something to welcome them into the family and come to find out in the end he was actually entertaining angels unaware, which Paul warns us even in the New Testament still happens. Is God testing your love and your patience and your generosity, the fruits of your spirit? Because we ought to be provoking others to be more like him. And in doing so, provoking the Israelite and the unbelieving to recognize this character in us that they saw in him and in Abraham that they might be provoked to believe in him. Paul says that it's important that we come together and do good works and show our love for others so that others can see this because this is what will change things in the end and usher in the return of Christ. 
but he leaves it also with a warning because he says that if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth then there remains no more sacrifice for sin in other words the blood of Jesus no longer applies to you if you return to your willful sin once that you have been grafted in by it you can be cut off again because you're no longer representing the God of Abraham and it will not provoke people to good works but it will provoke people against him so my friend we've got to get it right we've got to get the character right we've got to represent him rightly we've got to come together and start shining his light and being an example of Christ in the earth that it might provoke others to good works and to serve the God of Abraham the true God the only God the God of Scripture he says because there is a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour all of his adversaries he that despised Moses's law died without mercy under two or three witnesses how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the son of God and have counted the blood of his covenant wherewith this person had been sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace for we know him that hath said vengeance belongeth unto me and I will recompense saith the Lord and again the Lord shall judge his people it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God Paul is giving us a warning that our purpose and commission is to shine forth the character of God in this earth that others might see it and believe in him and be provoked unto good works and to serve him but if once we have been given the opportunity by the renewing of our spirit, by the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ and the infilling of his Holy Spirit that gives us the grace to walk in newness of life and power and authority over sin because we have been grafted in to the blessings and promises and provisions of Abraham, if then we willfully return to our sin, we put Christ to an open shame and provoke men against him, which stirs the vengeance of the Lord God against us because it says that we trample underfoot the son of God and make his blood by which we had been sanctified to look like an unholy thing it turns people away from him and it does not provoke Israel back to believe in him it's not showing forth the character of the God that they know the God of Abraham this is a very serious thing because this is what God has been waiting on before he returns it is the church's job to represent him rightly in the earth so we have to ask ourselves today what does the church provoke what does it demonstrate what does it represent when the unbelieving those who have not accepted that Christ is the way the truth and the life that he is the embodiment of the God of Israel when they turn on Christian television what do they see does it rightly represent him does it provoke them to want to be like him or like the world when they see million dollar homes and golden thrones and it's okay to send messages because God's just here to bless me do they see the God of Abraham that was willing to give up everything to bring someone into the family it does not provoke them to believe in him what Christ did was to demonstrate the character of God in this earth 
that love of Abraham that's willing to give all to bring others in that made God call Abraham his friend. Jesus demonstrated it so that we could see the way that we demonstrate it to others by picking up our cross and following after him. We need to have faith again. And I think the biggest problem in modern day evangelism is that it does not provoke the sinning man, the unbelieving or the Israelite to believe in the God of Abraham, the God of the Bible, the God of miracle working power, because it does not provoke them to faith. He is a God that does great things all by faith for those who believe that he truly is the God of everything, the God above all gods, the King above all kings, the Lord above all lords, the one who nothing is impossible for, the one who parts seas and raises the dead, the one that is faithful to do what he said, the one who can do what no man can do. Do you truly believe or are you making a God of your own creating? One that the Israelite will never believe in because it doesn't line up with the God of Scripture. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My friend, we've got to learn the character of God and start believing in Him again. God is waiting for a church of people that will walk in such faith and power and fruits of the Spirit as Jesus gave us the example to do that it would prove to the lost, the unbelieving, the unfaithful, and the Jew, that this God that they serve has to be our king. He has to be the God of the Bible. He has to be the real thing because no other God can do what I am seeing. This is how we provoke others to believing and usher in the return of Christ. Because you see, my friend, the first church, the early church, the church that we read about in the Bible, they were Jews who saw the character, humility, love, power, and holiness of Jesus and knew that this was the work of their God. No one else could do these things but the God of Abraham, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel. So this was the true God. And many Jews did believe in the beginning, not all, but this is why Paul said that we must walk in this character and power so that some might be saved. And we know according to scripture that in the final days, many will come. In fact, this is the great end time revival that is prophesied when God's original church joins the bride and they worship together. One family brought in by selfless, sacrificial love, compassion and giving like Abraham did. They need to see something they recognize. They need to see the God of the scripture come alive to them in a way that they haven't seen or heard since the Old Testament times. We've been given the power and the grace to walk that out and demonstrate it with our lives if we will just believe. Because so many have been led astray by the Janices and the Jambers, you know, there were two magicians in the courtroom of Egypt. And when Moses came and began to demonstrate the power of the kingdom, these two magicians would counterfeit or copy or mimic everything that he was doing. But he stood in 
faith and God allowed it to look like they were winning for a season so they could build up their pride. But God had a reason. He was about to show forth his glory in a way that would destroy people's faith in the enemy and show the whole world that he truly is God because nobody else could do what he was about to do. But he needed a man of faith who would go and speak it out and be willing to demonstrate it so that everyone could see that this was coming from God and nobody else would get glory for it. Because that Janus and Jambers were counterfeits working by the power of the enemy, their power was limited and there came a point where the power of God was manifested greater and more abundantly beyond what they could do. And it proved that Moses's God was true. He was the real God, the real deal. But God had to allow something to happen in the eyes of the people that they could see this demonstration. So he allowed some opposition to arise. My friend, the reason we're not seeing the greater manifestations of the kingdom is because the people want it so easy. They're not willing to face the opposition that sets the stage for God to get glory when he breaks the illusion that the enemy can do what he can do. He wants to prove that he is God. Can he use you to do it? Because you see the Pharisees, they were moving in a spirit of Janus and Jambers. They could do some things, they could counterfeit, but they couldn't come close to what Jesus could do because Jesus had the real power of God in him. So because they couldn't counterfeit it anymore, they tried to kill it. But even in that, were they just being set up to prove that it really was God working through Jesus all the more because they couldn't kill it. Sometimes God's got to allow the enemy to throw everything that he has at you and then prove that he still has you and can still use you and move through you before the people around you will see that your God truly is king, that he is the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the God of eternity, and he deserves to be served that it might provoke them to believe and bend the knee. But we want it so easy. We want the glitz and the glam and the golden stage and all the applause of men. We don't want the opposition. We don't want the crushing. We don't want the Gethsemane that brings the glory to God in the end when he raises what they thought they killed and proves that their power is limited and his is infinite, that he is a God of resurrection. He needs a people with the faith of Abraham that is fully persuaded that what God promises he is able to accomplish even if he's got to raise something from the dead to do it that nothing is too hard for our God that he can overcome sin and temptation that he can deliver you from any enemy or oppression that he can do what no man can do that there is no limit on the true God the God of the Bible we've got to start preaching the right Jesus the right God and then he will come Come in to prove it if you will stand and withstand in the evil day the opposition that rises up and do it in love that others might be provoked that one might see and believe that you are serving the real king. Because even though God had to allow the Pharisees to win for a season to set the stage for God's revealing of the limits of of their power and ability and the limitlessness of his so that all would know that he alone was God and what they worshiped 
really was not. Are you jealous for God? The way he is jealous for you. The way Elijah was jealous for God. Because we need some people with faith like we saw in the old days. In the biblical records. In the Old Testament. We need a people so zealous and jealous for God. That have faith to believe that nothing is impossible for him. That they will stand and profess so that God can step in to defend what they are saying and prove the limitless power that he is willing to demonstrate when we rightly represent him because he is waiting for someone who will provoke the people who know these stories of old to jealousy again to say only our God could do that so we know that they're serving him. We could still be walking in this but we rejected him. We missed our Messiah. It must have been Jesus. And even to the unbelieving Gentile to see and believe that God suffered and sacrificed to make a way that they might be grafted into the original promises of Abraham. Because it's not about a bloodline. It's not about a territory. It's not about a title. It's about Abraham. It's about the blessings and promises and provisions that God poured out on him. That we have been grafted in to walk in. And when we walk in the same power of the God that we see in the Old Testament manifested in the new, it proves that our Jesus was the promise granted to Abraham and it causes all men to come to him. Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We've got to allow his spirit to manifest through us in faith each and every day that we demonstrate that the power of the kingdom is here now that others might see and believe and be provoked to want to be part of it too. Walking in sin and selfishness and greed and envy and vainglory is not going to provoke men to want to serve the God of the Bible. That's everything that he stands against. It's only going to cause men to bend the knee to idols. We've got to learn the true character of God and walk in it and demonstrate it. Humility, meekness, kindness, gentleness, love, joy, power, authority. An unwillingness to compromise to sin, but a willingness to obey and serve God and trust in him. To believe him, to be fully persuaded, to be like the great men that were given for our example throughout the Old Testament. According to Paul in the New, that we might know what we're supposed to do to prove that the God of Jesus, that the God of the Christian is the God of Abraham. That it's all the same, that we're walking in union with him so that others will walk in too. He's trying to bring us all into the family before he comes back again because he loves all men and he's made a way. For all to be brought in. It is not his will that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. In fact from the beginning. It was the Israelites job. To bring in the world. And redeem them into the family of God. But because they kept falling to sin. And would not make themselves an influence to others. But kept allowing themselves to be influenced. Did God provide a way through Jesus. For the power of his grace to flow. Through the Gentiles. Hoping that his people would see. Look they're walking in your commission. This is what I've been wanting you to do from the beginning. And join in. And we would all be part of that family. That priesthood. That are bringing the lost back to God. Because he wants us to all be his children in the end he doesn't want one lost to sin 
He's made a way. We've got to believe him enough to walk in the power of real grace. The power of real grace is not an excuse to sin and misrepresent him. The power of grace is the power to walk in righteousness and rightly represent him and overcome the enemy and move in miracle working power and represent the God of the Old Testament to the world that lives in the New Testament to show that Jesus is the way he was the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham that day that in his seed would all the nations of the world be blessed and all men brought into the kingdom, the family of God, that we might all be partakers of his spirit, led of his spirit and be called sons and daughters, that we all might be made kings and priests under the order of Melchizedek, that we might all be one with him again, like it was in the garden. Are you provoking others to this? Or are your actions and your life and your compromise and the lies that we've come to believe represent a false Christ, an antichrist to him, one that's okay with sin, one that can shut the mouths of lions but can't stop your mouth from lying, one that can raise the dead but can't raise you out of the deadness of the sinful life that you're in? Do you believe in the God of the Bible or in one of your own making? Christ was our example of how to win the lost and the deceived and how to provoke Israel to jealousy. How to fulfill the commission that's been given from the beginning to tell the world that he is God by our testimony, not by our words only. Paul said that the kingdom of heaven is not in word, but in power and in demonstration. The power of grace is given that we can demonstrate the character of God and the miracle working power that we see him manifesting as our example throughout the Old Testament and in the life of Jesus and in the early church that people might see and believe that he is God because only he can do. Only our God has resurrection power. Only God can raise from the dead, can change you, can make you born again, can convert you, make you a whole new creature, can make you something different. So if you're believing that all you have to do is say a few words, but your life doesn't have to reflect any change or representation of the power of his grace, then you are selling people a false Christ, an antichrist, one that will not provoke them to good works but will provoke them to sin and unbelief and a powerless kingdom that can't set them free my friend what is your testimony if you don't have a testimony then you're not saved get on your knees and call out to the king the real king the true god the god of the bible the god who is able to do anything to change you to set you free to deliver you to get those drugs out of your life to get the alcohol out of your life to get the foul language out of your mouth to get the lust out of your heart to get the selfishness out of your mind that is able to give you a whole new life and to change you and to make you a witness and a testimony of the power of our Christ that there is something real in this that it might provoke others to believe again. This is why the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And because we love not our lives, even unto the death that we're willing to give it, 
get on your face before God and let him change you by the power of his grace and then go tell others what that means, what it did for you, what God did, how he changed you. Be an example in a demonstration. Provoke someone to believe. Provoke them to good works. Go out and do something that might cause somebody else to say, I need to do something too, Lord. What is your mission and commission for me? How can you use me to prove that your present power is here now able to deliver and set free to send me out he's looking for a people ready to be sent out in power and faith that others might be provoked to believe to say that this is real there's something stirring in me I can feel it I can see it I'm starting to believe it we need to live a life of such great faith that others can't help but tell of the stories that our life demonstrates. This is what was seen in the Old Testament and in the New. This is what proves God's real in you. They saw these stories of great men of faith and they knew only God could do these things. So they told of their story, their testimony. Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. You need to be willing to tell others what God did for you. But at the same time, you need to be living such a life of faith and integrity that it will cause others to tell of what you did for God. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about you boasting. I'm talking about other people telling your testimony. Because that it so proves the power of God. You tell others what God did for you. But make sure that your life demonstrates so purely and powerfully that others can't help but talk about what you did for God. That it might provoke others to good works. To be the light. To be the salt. To be the influence that changes the lives of others. We have been called from the beginning. Even the nation of Israel from the start was called to be an influence on the world how can you influence the world if you're just like them if you can't see any difference between you and them the bible says if your light is darkness how dark is that darkness in other words if you look just like the world and you're calling that the light how dark is that how powerless is that how disgraceful is that to the God that can do all things that you're saying he can't even change me. Don't you want to serve my king? That doesn't provoke anything. But unbelief, it does not provoke people to believe in the God of resurrection power, the God of the Bible, the God of miracles, the God that saved an entire nation in one night because of people prayed. And so he went out and slayed all of the opposition of people who walked in faith and miracles manifestations because of their God not because of them but because they were willing to believe in him and to cry out God make yourself real to the people again they need a demonstration because we want all the world to know that you are God alone and we want to bring all of the lost children back into the family again All of the mighty miraculous acts of God in the Bible were done so that the world would know that he was God. That Abraham's God was the one true God and provoked them to desire to turn away from their evil gods, stop sinning and come join his family. As Christians, we serve the same God. He hasn't changed. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New. 
He has lost none of his power, nor has his objective changed. He is more than willing to send miracles to validate his message so that the world may know that he, the God of the Old Testament and the new, is the one true God that it might provoke them to turn away from their evil gods, acknowledge Jesus, stop sinning, and come join his family. It's the same commission. It's just a different priesthood that it's been given to. It's been given to you. Only our God, the God of the Bible, can manifest the greater miracles that carry through the ages. There have always been false gods. There have always been false manifestations. There have always been false prophets and Janus and Jambers and all of these things. But only the real God, the true God, our God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament and the New, the God of Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Peter, Paul, the God of the scripture, this God was the only God that was able to manifest the greater miracles that carry through the ages and aren't forgotten in one or two generations. It's the God of Moses that can part the sea, the God of Elijah that can raise the dead, the God of Job that can heal the sick, the God of Deborah that can change the very course of rivers. This is what will prove that the God of the New Testament It's the same God of the old. The God of the Christian is the same God of the Hebrew. And that through the power of Jesus Christ, we've been given the grace to walk in this great favor. Each and every one of us, when everyday believers start moving in the faith that the biblical patriarchs did, it will provoke Israel to jealousy and show the world that the Christian God is the same God of scripture, the one true God. So I ask you today, do you think that he can, as a professing Christian, do you believe that the God that you serve right here, right now, can part the sea, can raise the dead, can heal the sick, can change the course of rivers like he did for Deborah, to fight principalities that were possessing a land of which they had been given? Do you think that he can? And if you can't say, yes, I believe that he can do it now in my life through me because of the power of Christ that put his spirit within me, then you have to ask yourself, do I really believe? Because if you don't believe in the same God of scripture, being the God today, the God that we serve and that grace allows us to walk in that power by faith, then you don't really have faith in who he is. And if you don't have faith in who he really is, then you're actually serving a God of your own making and you're not saved by him. It's time to be all in, to get down on your knees and say, God, today I choose to truly believe. Because scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed that God was able to do what he said, to do the impossible, to do anything, even if he had to raise the dead to do it. The scripture says that if the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you, then it is more than able to mortify the flesh, to overcome sin and the enemy and cause you to walk in righteousness, to be that pure and spotless bride that moves in miracle manifestation and great signs and wonders. Because that's why the scripture says that signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those who 
believe, believe, believe. We're not seeing it because we're not really believing. We're believing in this American Jesus, this God of our own making, this limited, powerless, compromising, materialistic Christ. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible moves in humility, strength, love, compassion, sacrifice, and power. And he's looking for a people who will believe in him enough to give up everything to allow him to prove it through them, to speak his truth and let the world see that he can do what no other God can do, what no other man can do, what no other power or technology can do. Can he use you to do it? Do you really believe? Because I worship the God of the Bible. This is who the God of the Bible is. And he hasn't changed. Do we really believe? Or have we created a whole new God? Who is no God? After our own making and the limitations of our own vain imagination. Deborah was a judge and a ruler over Egypt in the time of judges. God had appointed her a prophetess at a time when Israel was overcome and overtaken by the enemy. Deborah sat under a tree and sought the Lord God Almighty, got a word from heaven and related to the people. They came to her for decisions. They came for her for counsel because they weren't actually coming to her. They were coming to God who was speaking through her and the word of God records in the story of Deborah that when the enemy rose up against them and they had to go to war Deborah gathered the people together and they pursued the enemy to take the territory back that God had given them but that the enemy had possessed and oppressed them in and it says that she worshipped she sang as she led this war and as Deborah sang and Deborah worshipped many of the tribes came to help her and to fight with her and then it says the very stars of heaven aided her in the battle we've got to understand that throughout scriptures stars represented angels in the book of revelations it talks about the stars over the churches and then clarifies that he's really talking about the angels over the churches many times stars in scriptures represented angels so what it's really saying is that as deborah worshiped and prophesied and praised and led the people into battle the very angels of heaven came down to fight with her and even the river itself changed its course to join in the fight and overtake the enemy to bring them the victory because she was willing to believe in a God that could do anything. That's the God that I serve. Does your worship stir up the angels of heaven and even the very rivers of the land to aid you in your fight to dethrone and dispose of the powers and the principalities in it? Because that would be a story that would provoke Israel to jealousy. And it's not until they start to see things like this again because that the people have started believing and walking in true faith in the power of our king that it's going to bring them to the place where they have to see only God could do this. They have our king. We missed the Messiah. It really must have been this Jesus. You see, my friend, we've created a whole different God in modern times that is limited and powerless that is willing to close his eyes and let us stay in compromise. But that's not the God of the Bible. God that I serve is the God that shut the mouth of lions. The God that many professing Christians serve today can't even shut their mouth from lying. That's not the God of Scripture. It's not the God of the Bible. They deceive themselves by creating a God of their own making that fits their lack of faith. 
stop creating a powerless Jesus. He is the God that came to free us. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I will never bend the knee to the enemy and profess that the blood of Jesus Christ is not enough to take away my sins. That the power of grace by the Holy Spirit is not enough to overcome temptations. I will do what the scripture says and I will stand in faith that he break the power of death, hell, and the grave. That if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me, then there is nothing impossible to me because I believe. By faith I will walk in the power that we have been given that I might demonstrate the kingdom of heaven and provoke others to believe. That by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ and the word of my testimony and that I loved not my life even unto the death like faithful Abraham, I gave it all that I might bring one into the family again. And if that can be the profession of every person listening, God will change your family, your town, and your nation. And you will usher in the return of Christ because this is the bride that he's been waiting for. Do you know why I think that God used Deborah? I think he used Deborah to provoke Israel. How insulting that God had to raise up a woman to lead the armies of Israel. And the scripture actually records that some of the tribes refused to fight with her and God placed a curse upon them because that they did not come to the aid of the Lord. It doesn't say that they didn't come to Deborah's aid because God was using Deborah. God took it personal. He said they did not come to the aid of the Lord when they were needed. I think that God used Deborah to provoke Israel so that the strong and the able would see the least of them rise up and lead them. This little woman of faith stood up where they had not to do what they would not to take away all their excuses about why they did not and provoke them to stand up and do it. Sometimes I think that's why he uses me too, because it takes away other people's excuse. If he can use me, he can use you too, because I am truly among the least of these. There are many that are stronger, smarter, richer, healthier, more able, better. All I have to offer is me. But really, that's all he needs. I don't have a story to steal his glory. Just a bended knee, obedience, a heart to please, and a joyful longing for him to get some glory among men. And he uses it. It's that simple, really. When we have too many things, we try to give him our things. But when all I have is me, I finally give him me. And that's all he really needs, that others can see his glory and all that it can pour out on me and through me, that they might be provoked to believe that he can use them too and surrender. It's not about what you have, it's about what you are willing to surrender. It's not about who you are, it's about what you are willing to surrender. He is no respecter of persons. But it is only faith that pleases the Lord. Because what we have will never manifest the glory, power, and majesty of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. But what we surrender to him in faith, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses did, so that he can set the stage to show the world his glory, power, and majesty through them, will 
And it will provoke those who know that only the true, real, and present God of all can do these things. And I tell you, my friend, that in the end, when the Israelites see him rightly represented and manifested in ways that they have not seen since the Old Testament, they will recognize him and they will cling to him again. Will you surrender, bend the knee, and walk humbly before your king to be the one that he can use to provoke others to want to surrender to him too? You'll be hated for it. Jesus warned us of this. You'll be mocked and ridiculed and called prideful and arrogant and blasphemous. You'll be attacked and oppressed, but you'll also be validated, vindicated, and glorified by God himself in the end when he steps in to do what no man can and prove that he is still God and he calls you friend, just like Abraham. This and this alone will provoke Israel to jealousy and bring them back again. This, my friend, is the whole reason that grace was given to you and me. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared or been given to all men to teach them that denying ungodliness and all worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly right now in this present world, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. This thing are you to go out and speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise you for doing it. And yes, they will despise you. The Bible says that if we be crucified with Christ, then we shall also be glorified with Christ. That if they hated him, they will hate us. The servant is not greater than the master. No man in sin wants to be reproved or rebuked of it. But we have to be willing to speak the truth and walk in faith and demonstrate in love and mercy and compassion the power of our Christ, the power of new life, resurrection power, the power of our God. Not just in words, but in action and life and demonstration and power and majesty and might that would cause others to see that he truly is God and believe that through Jesus, the God of Israel has received us. And even while they hate us and beat us and oppress us and slander us and come against us, like Abraham, like Moses, like Jesus. We've got to be willing to give all in love and mercy and compassion and humility to still fight to bring them into the kingdom. Lord, give us a heart that understands what you are saying. Lord, give us a compassion for the lost and the straying. Lord, give us a faith of 
fire again, one that will stand with you and and not bow to men. Lord, let us be like the Hebrew boys in the fire that said you are able to deliver, but even if you don't, still will we serve our king and profess that he is the God who can do all all things. Let us believe in the God of scripture, the God of impossibilities, that we might begin to profess in the face of the lies of the enemy, that nothing is too hard for our God, that nothing can overcome the power of our Christ, that there is no sin of which he has not paid the price that he might redeem us from not allow us to stay in that he came to save us from sin not that we might stay in sin but that the power of God's grace through us might be manifested to provoke others to believe in him that by the word of our testimony of how you have changed us and saved us others might begin to believe that they can be set free also And that by the power of our testimony shared by others of our life because we stood in faithfulness and saw your grace manifested that others might begin to believe that this is truly the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. There is no other power or authority that can stand before him. And I believe him. I want to receive him. I am provoked to want to be part of this kingdom. Lord, help us to understand that we are meant to be an influence. That's what salt is. Salt changes things. When you add salt to it, it changes it. It makes the whole thing salty like it. Lord, let us be an influence and not be influenced. Let the world want to be like the church and not the church trying to be like the world. Let us have more faith in the power of our God than in the things of Egypt and the powers of the kingdoms of men and the Janus and Jambers that counterfeit him. But let us stand in faith and face the opposition that sets the stage for you to step in and prove that you are him, the God of scripture, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Elijah. Let us be willing to have faith like them, that you can demonstrate your kingdom in this earth again, that others might be provoked to believe and want to serve our king, the king of kings, the only king, the right king, the righteous king. Lord, let us believe in your righteousness. Let us believe in your omnipotence, in your omnipresence. That you are a rock, unshakable, unmovable. That you are the good shepherd, leading and guiding and directing. That you are a faithful father, teaching and correcting. And that the kingdom of heaven truly is like Sarah, putting the leaven in three measures of meal. That she might make more than enough bread to feed a stranger and give them plenty to go on their way. That she might make them feel welcome and bring them in to a family willing to sacrifice what they had to give all to give their best not worried about building for themselves here in this world as they strive to be blessed but willing to be a blessing that is Sarah and Abraham's lesson and that's what we've got to demonstrate that's what's going to save a lost nation not words or arguments or eloquence of speech or education, but a true demonstration of the love 
character and power of the God of Abraham. So Lord, by faith today, I break every lie of the enemy and I pray that everyone would surrender and bend the knee and say, Lord, me too. I believe. I believe in who you are, not in who I've made you to be or imagined you to be or who I've been told that you are, but who you really are. I believe in the God of impossibilities of whom I read throughout the entirety of scripture because your word says that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You do not change. And if this God lives inside of me, then nothing shall be impossible because I believe. I thank you today that you set me free because I believe. I thank you today that you choose me and use me and commission me because I choose to believe. I thank you today that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords and the God above all gods and that nothing is too hard for you and that you are going to begin to manifest this truth in the earth, in my generation, in my lifetime, in my nation, because I have chosen to believe and I will bend the knee and praise and pray and listen for what it is that you want to say. And just like faithful Abraham, I will believe it. And I will be fully persuaded that you are able to achieve it. And I will wait patiently until you bring it. And until then, I will do as Deborah did. And I will sing and I will praise and I will lift up a shout of warfare as the enemy is dethroned. And you bring in your kingdom in power and might. As I thank you now that you have changed my life. Even though I have not seen the end yet, you have seen the end from the beginning. And I am believing you for the fulfilling. You are God and there is nothing that you can't do. And today I grab hold of that in faith and praise and surrender and say, God, I truly believe in you. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.